Hi everyone, and welcome to the Unearth Your Joy podcast, where we discuss mindfulness, nutrition, abundance, and working with our energetic field with the goal of releasing past trauma so that you can show up and live your most empowered and fulfilled life of joy. Today, I have the special pleasure of speaking with a guest, Deborah Schock, who is a certified Wayfarer life coach and career coach. She helps introverts and sensitive people to experience mind-body connection so that they can listen to their intuition and enjoy life. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for being on the show today. Hi, Jill. It's great to be with you today and with the listeners. Yeah, welcome. So let's get started and talk about your journey and how you became um, interested in working with the people that you work with as a life coach. Thank you. Um, So I had um, found my way to life coaching through um, working in finance first on leaving university and thinking, oh my goodness, there's no way I can do this to retirement, Um, to then becoming a teacher. And I taught in state schools and in private schools um, for about five years. And um, we were moving house a lot, which meant I kept changing schools. And I found that, you know, as a sensitive person, that's really disruptive when, you know, your whole world around you changes. You're trying to find your feet again. And I knew that um, with my husband's job, we would continue to move. And I wanted to kind of figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So I went on, I I was lucky enough that I was able to go on this like creative uh, adventure to figure out what I was going to do next. And really, I didn't have a clue, Jill. So I did all sorts of things. I did um, photography and art history and creative writing, interior design, you know, just all over the place. And I decided eventually that I needed a bit more help. So I worked with a life coach and she recognized in me that i had this huge love of personal development and it's almost like it's so much a part of you that you don't even realize it you know everybody recognizes so you're always reading that kind of book you know your bookshelves full of all the self-help books and you're really into learning more about how you can help uh, other people and how you can help yourself And she kind of helped me recognize this passion in me that had been so blooming obvious that I couldn't couldn't notice it. It's like, oh, really? Oh, that's why I'm so interested in that. And then she said to me, you know, so why have you not considered being a coach? And I had all these ideas about what a proper job was. And we'll put proper job in inverted commas. Um, And that that was what had led me, you know, to the banking and the teaching and, you know, proper careers, proper traditional careers. And then I started to open up to the idea that, well, what if you accept the fact that you only get one, you only have one life until the next one, (laughs) but you only have this one life at the moment. And what about if you allow yourself to have your, you know, to live, what all the cliches say in life coaching, what if you allow yourself to live your dream? What if you allow yourself to follow your purpose? And I did. I allowed myself to follow it. So I'd been reading the Oprah Winfrey magazine throughout my 20s, um, you know, on holiday and reading like the fashion pages. And and there was a the life coach in the Oprah magazine for years has been Dr. Martha Beck. 
And I'd read Dr. Martha's books, um, Finding Your Own North Star in particular, was helpful to me in finding my own North Star in finding my way forward. And she's really very clever and she's also very funny. And I think that's just an amazing combination. I love, you know, being around people who are clever and funny. And so when I was thinking who to do my training with back in 2013, I trained as a Wayfinder Life Coach with Dr. Martha Beck, which was incredible. And then um, started my coaching practice um, from the UK. But, you know, so many people in the course were based in America. And um, that was really lovely, made lots of friends um, and still coaching buddies that I keep in touch with to today. So yesterday I was on uh, Zoom with one of the coach buddies that I first practiced with, you know, when we had very kind of kindergarten coaching skills back in 2013. Um, so that's been lovely as well. The sense of community has been lovely. And then um, through, in the past seven years, I've worked as a career coach for an American career coaching company based in Washington, actually. And I've also worked for a, a business success coach, again, based in America as part of our team and as a copywriting coach. So I've worked in teams, which has been really fun too, and then had my own clients with that. And then last year, oh my goodness, we all went through the pandemic and hasn't that been such a huge change and impact on everybody's lives? And I decided at that point to do mind body magic coach training. And this for me has been amazing because as a sensitive introverted person, I've also got a tendency to be anxious and a tendency to worry a lot. And I've had that since childhood. You know, I'm always really, I'm always really a bit too careful, like more careful than you actually need to be in life. Mm -hmm. And um, the mind body magic coach training has helped me to stop just living in my head, come more into a st state of embodiment and tap into my intuition more. And so that's now how more and more I live my life is actually doing practices to bring myself into the body, to listen to my intuition and to use that to help me to find my way forward in life. That's beautiful. And I love how you said that it took somebody else to realize what you are actually good at because we're so close to ourselves every day that we're not aware of what, um, you know, the potential that we have. So I'm sure that's what you bring to the table with a lot of your clients is you recognize their own skills and their own intuition and their own magic and what they can bring to the table and kind of enlighten them on, on that. I help them to do it for themselves. Yeah. So I think as a coach, um, I'm never telling people what to do with their lives because they're their own best guide. Mm -hmm. But there's a, a lot that you can do to free up people around that. Yeah. And there's a huge amount you can do to help them. If you want to compare that to like dream analysis, what I've noticed when I worked with somebody with my dreams was it wasn't like she was telling me that this is what your dream's about, but I was translating my dreams and then she was translating them back. Oh, it sounds like you're talking about this and, you know, just repeating some of those things back to me in a way that brought clarity and perspective mm. on that. I'd, I'd love to talk to you if we, if you'd like about how, um, Martha Beck taught me to do dream analysis yeah. um, 
But I think there's also, you touched on the aspect there of the reflecting back. I think there's the reflecting back, which I really enjoy doing, but there's also the linking things and making some links that um, can just help you see things through new um, glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, shall we talk a bit about dream analysis? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, great. Um, so the first thing, of course, is that dreams are very slippy. And if you don't catch them, that's why, you know, um, people often keep a nightstand with a book beside it and, you know, a pen because, yeah. and I often find like, I'll sometimes take it downstairs because I'll have my, you know, intuitive bits that I've written in it. I'll take it downstairs. And then the next morning I'll be thinking, where's my book and my pen? because you really need some way of recording your dreams because they are slippy. And if you don't get them down on paper, you will miss them. Even though sometimes when you wake up, you think, oh my goodness, this dream is so memorable. There's no way I'm going to forget it. Yeah. You won't forget it. So, you know, yeah. just take the time to have a book beside your bed, um, just something that you that gives you pleasure because I think that there's there's a self-care part of doing dream work it's yeah looking after your subconscious self it's acknowledging that side of yourself so you know make it a nice journal make it a nice pen and have it handy on your nightstand is what I would say first and then when you um have caught the dream then just write down your notes on it and you will know the best way for you to do that. Some people will just write it in uh, images. Some people will write it out as though it's a story. Um, and some people will, e you know, if you had an artistic person, they might even do sketches. You know, they might even, or think of music or colors that they might note down. So, don't be too prescriptive about how you record your dreams. You'll find a way that works for you and trust that. Um, I think then it's helpful sometimes to um, play with whether it works for you to analyze the dream shortly after, or it might be a bit like making tea, that it's a good idea to leave the tea bag in for a while. And it might work better for you to leave a bit of time between when you had the dream and when you do the analysis of it. Um, so pick, yeah, pick a time that feels good to you um, and that you can feel relaxed, that you don't feel rushed and um, come to um, a space where you feel almost like in a cocoon. So you're not going to get interrupted. You're not going to, you know, you've not got the television on too loud in the background. It's, it's a meditative um, thing that you do when you come to analyze a dream. So when I'd first heard of dream analysis, I thought it was just like, um, you know, you get these big books of dream analysis and you look up the symbols and it says, you know, a robin means this and an eagle in a nest means this. And yeah. there are certainly those kind of things. And I'm not in any way disparaging them because I'm sure they have their place, but that isn't the way that I learned dream analysis. So I'm going to explain to you the way I learned it. And then, you know, it's just... Um, you might be able to take from it bits that would work for you. 
I'd also say with this, when you are delving into the subconscious, if it brings up stuff where you get in a real panic or you're not coping, or if in general you're not coping in your day to day, then get the help you need as a priority um, before thinking of doing your dream analysis, before, yeah. because it can open up stuff. And I just think, you know, you need to be on a kind of, on an even keel before you do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So if, if you're not feeling on an even keel, then I, I would certainly get help as a priority. If you are feeling on an even keel, then, then dream analysis is something you can, you can look to um, experiment with. Um, I am not going to prescribe to you and say this is exactly how you need to do it because again like we were talking about when people choose how they record it how people do it will be different as well so let's say you wake up you've got this dream you've written in the three o'clock in the morning the handwriting is a bit undecipherable but there's there's the skeleton of the dream is there or there's the let's Skeleton's not very There's the whisper of the dream is there, Jill. And you're wanting to analyze your dream. So when when I as a coach do this with a client, they describe the dream to me, and we go through and we pick out the um kind of main images in the dream and write a list of them. So you just go through and anything that seems to have a charge or anything that seems to have, oh, that there's something in there or that might have meaning, you write it down in your list. Some things will not have any charge. So when I say charge, you're basically listening to your body's compass and your body's, you know, this is a lot of the work that Martha Beck does is about listening to the body compass if people want to read more about that, it's in finding your own North Star and you can learn how to use your body's compass to lead you through your life. I'm just going to pause for breath there in case I'm going too fast. No, <laughs> okay. Shall I carry on? Yeah. Okay. So um, you've, you've written it down, you've taken out the main symbols and you've got a list of them. Then you need to go into a meditative space which you will know, I'm guessing a lot of your listeners have got their own ways of doing this. You know, they've got their breathing techniques, they've maybe got a yoga practice, they've got something that grounds them. So do your yeah. thing, do your thing that takes you into a meditative space. And then you, this is the, the kind of a bit unusual uh, thing. And this is talked about in Steering by Starlight, which is another of Martha's books. So if you want to read more about this, you would read Steering by Starlight. So you say, say in the dream you had the robin. So then with your eyes closed, you would say, I am the robin. Okay, I am the robin. And then you would describe yourself as the robin with three adjectives. So for example, I am the robin, and I am winter, I am love, and I am flight. Sometimes the thing that the symbol describes it as will be completely wacky. And that is a good sign because the subconscious does not always make logical sense. So it might be that I am the robin, and I am Tuesday, I am jelly, I am rough ground. 
Okay, and you're thinking, Robins aren't Tuesday, Robins aren't jelly, Robins aren't rough ground, but the, that can happen and don't worry about it. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're, you're silly or anything like that. It just is, this is part of the tapping into the subconscious. And it's also part of helping you embody that part of the dream's message. So then after saying what the Robin is, um, as a coach, I usually ask the person, so Robin, Robin who is, and then you repeat the three adjectives, Robin who is this and this and this, what is your message for Jill? Okay, and then the Robin will come up with a message and you write the message down. And then you say, um, Robin, how are you here to help Jill? And essentially, this is just a way of tapping into your intuition and tuning in with your intuition. Because when I do exercises where I help people tune into their intuition, the kinds of questions we ask are, what does Jill need to know right now in this moment? And then the other beautiful question is, what is the kindest thing that Jill can do for herself right now or as soon as possible? And, you know, that's a question that I use often when we're doing intuition work. And I would encourage people to ask themselves that regularly. But this time we're asking the symbol of the Robin. Robin, what's the, the kindest thing that I can do for myself now or as soon as possible? And then you write that down. And then you go through that for each symbol in the dream that you came up with. And some of them won't have any juice. You know, you'll, you'll do them and you'll just be, no, actually this symbol doesn't really catch me at all the way I thought it did when we made the list. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And what can also come up is as you're going through this and you're going through the process, you'll remember more of the dream. And then you'll be able to, to decide if there are any symbols in that that need to come out and be looked at. And then what usually happens when we do all of this, it brings up some stuff on the table. It brings up some questions or some beliefs that have been ho holding the client back or just a challenge that they've got in their life. And then we can coach from that place. Um, so that's what when when I do dream analysis, what what it looks like, and that's how I was taught by Dr. Martha Beck um, to do dream analysis. That's lovely. Yay. Yeah, I love that. Um, kind of going back into your subconscious space, where the dream originated, to find that information. And I haven't been doing anything that extensive, but what I have been doing that my mentor was telling me was that um, I should like name the dream. So giving it kind of a theme and I just kind of have fun with, I may not be ready to analyze the dream yet, but I'll give the dream like a general theme of what is going on. And, and it's just kind of fun to have like a title to the dream. Yeah. I remember doing that as a child because I used to have sometimes have dreams that, um, you know, kind of took on a kind of film-like quality. 
and I still remember some of them to this day and it would be because it had such a clear theme so I think that that can be really interesting to do is just you know and also the same uh, noticing when the same themes or the same images might repeat um and then again you know we don't always have happy dreams Uh, and so when you've had a, a bad dream or it's just about also, you know, the, the kindest thing is is just to to acknowledge, first of all, that you've had a disturbed sleep experience, you've had a bad dream. And then before going into any dream analysis, you really need to care for yourself. So a lot of self-care needs to come in then. And then back from that, I would be, um, if it was myself and I was having bad, you know, a bad dream, I would be thinking, um, I need to look at what's bothering me now in my life. I need to look at the challenges or maybe I need to look at my bedtime routine. I need to look at my sleep practices. I need to look at, you know, what I'm eating before bedtime, just so that you're, you want to give yourself the kind of cocoon that you can have beautiful dreams in, you know, why not? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a wonderful, I think just dreaming in general and dream work is a wonderful way of self-care. Mm-hmm. And we have these opportunities to kind of find out what's going on in, underneath the, the glass and yeah. just take a look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you been doing it for long, you know, tracking your dreams and writing them down or is it something that's new to you? About a year. Um, I've been actually writing them down and actively kind of engaging in that practice. Wow. Been, I've been doing a little bit more with like lucid dreaming lately. Yes. Which, um, I've, you know, listened to a lot of information about it and um, it seems like the lucid dreaming, people always think that it's when you can control your dreams, but lucid dreaming is really, it's more of an awareness of either the fact that you are dreaming or an awareness of how you can engage with your dreams. So sometimes throughout the night when things come up emotionally, then I kind of like set the intention to work with those specific parts of myself or those specific characters or ask specific questions throughout the night. And as it gets to be in the morning time, um, I'm a little bit more awake, so I have more recall of my dreams and a little bit more awareness of, around navigating the dream spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's a really interesting process of just listening and engaging with those those dream spaces and, and finding finding bits of information about ourselves. That's wonderful. I haven't ever ever tried that. Where did you find out about it, Jill? Um, so I did a course, uh, and it was through Lana Sacklow, the Lucid Entrepreneur Lab. Um, would love to have her on as well to kind of share more information about the Lucid Dreaming space. Um, but yeah, so she offers a, a course that um, people can get uh, on these group calls, and then they do one-on-one calls with her where we discuss dreams, and then also dreams in the context of a small business owner and how we can move ourselves forward through our dreams how we can you know how in in real life how we can chase our dreams as well wow it's really lovely um to participate in that and you know certain like meditations and and ways of engaging 
um, our mind in those different ways. Yeah, one thing that we do uh, that also comes from the way you find our um, coach training is um, for when people are kind of dreaming and scheming. So I just explained that within the Wayfinder coach training, there, sorry, the, the change cycle, which Martha talks about, there are four squares. And the first one is the where everything dissolves and, you know, the thing that you'd known in your life just disappears and things are all thrown up in the air and um, you don't know what's coming next. And then beyond that square two is dreaming and scheming. And we're talking about dreaming here. So dreaming and scheming, that square of the change cycle is when you start to think of what could be possible for you, you know, what could be next for you, what you're drawn to, all of that kind of thing. Um, and then square three is the heroes or heroine saga where you're, you're trying and failing and trying and failing. And then square four is the promised land. And that's where you are flourishing in perhaps in just that area of your life, because we're not always in square four in all areas of our life. But the square two, um, which relates to what we're talking about today, which is the dreaming aspect is it often comes after things have fallen apart. After you think, you know, there's no way forward, you then go into that dreaming space. And allowing that dreaming space is a really important part of change. You know, we're often always, you know, raring to get on to the next stage where we're making the forward motion and we're doing the things. But sometimes you, you really need that liminal stage to be in the dreaming. And one uh, tool that we use for people that are in that liminal stages um, relates to what you were saying about, you know, guided meditations is we do a meditation called the ideal day. And in the ideal day, we'd be taking somebody through visualizing their day from, from early in the morning to last thing at night. And they would be seeing things sometimes which they don't even realize are things that they want. And, you know, like there can be little clues in it. Um, for example, in it, you ask somebody to go to their wardrobe and open the wardrobe and see what's inside the wardrobe. And Martha said that when she did this with a um, kind of male executive, you know, really doing well in his career and all of this. And she said, so open your wardrobe, have a look inside. And she said, do you see ties in there? And he said, there isn't even a tie in the same zip code because he was, you know, he'd obviously moved away from that way of life completely, was living way away from cities and, and jobs where people would, would wear ties. So the, when you do the ideal day visualization with people, it can help them tap into what they want. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking he would have a purple fuzzy robe. Sorry? I was thinking he would open his wardrobe and there'd be a purple fuzzy robe in there. Oh, maybe. Maybe <laughs> that would be fun. Or it could be like even the shoes. The shoes might be indications of something. You know, there might be flippers to go snorkeling or there might be sneakers for somebody that hasn't worked out before. You know, there can be all sorts of clues. And then you take them through the day and they just get to experience that, that future and then notice anything that came up that surprised them. So I love working with clients that are in that dreaming space. Um, just on that, Martha uses the um, metaphor of a butterfly. 
And she says that this whole change cycle is like going from being a caterpillar to being a butterfly. And the yeah. thing about making that transition, um, which I find really reassuring, is that the caterpillar doesn't go straight from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. It goes into the cocoon and it actually goes through a green gloop stage where it is not a caterpillar and it is not a butterfly. It is in the green gloop stage. And I'm sure, Jill, we've all gone through times in our lives where we felt, I'm not that, and I'm not that. And it's felt very much like we're in the green gloop stage. But there's, there is, you know, the chance to move on, to dream and to scheme, and then to get on your own heroines or heroes saga. I love that. So I want to change gears for a second to give us a chance to chat a little bit about um, this mind-body connection. Sure. Well, um, that was something that I was um, drawn to do. At, to, it was the start of last year. And I knew Abigail Morgan's work because she'd originally been one of the teachers on Martha Beck's training uh, back in 2013. And she was doing mind body stuff then. And I really enjoyed it, but I didn't know that I would in the future take it forward. And um, she did a course called Slacker Magic, which was about getting more done because you were allowing yourself to get into a place of inspiration. You were allowing yourself to rest. You were allowing yourself to play. You were getting into an inspired space and then you were able to do things from that inspiration. And so I loved Slacker Magic. And, you know, as with these things, when you work with somebody who's fabulous, you want to work with them some more. And I decided to enroll in her, um, her mind body magic coach training, um, which I completed last year. And it's about um, getting out of just being in your head and all your energy being in your head and all your worries being in your head and coming into a state of embodiment. So actually living within the whole of your body, which is the first part of it. Um, and then it's also about being with your emotions and listening to your emotions, feeling your emotions move through your body and actually getting, getting messages from your emotions. This links up with the dreaming stuff we were talking about because essentially you can do the same things with emotions with, with um, safety created around it. And this is something I love about what I learned from Abigail is all of the work she did was trauma sensitive. Um, all of the tools that she's created are trauma sensitive. And I know that um, you've talked to, you talked to, within your audience to people that have experienced trauma and she, has, she designed the tools so that they would be trauma sensitive. She originally did them for people that had mind-body syn syndrome or TMS. So people who were having pains and aches and things appearing in the body, um, which were actually related to emotional stuff that they'd been through. And she had a lot of pelvic pain and she helped um, to relieve that through using the mind-body tools. But then she found that when she used the mind-body tools, it affected all different areas of people's lives. Um, and so there's the emotions part of it and the listening to the emotions in a way that is safe. And um, there's really specific ways of doing that. You don't want to be just diving into horrible emotions without uh, when that water might be too deep for you. 
So you need to have a way that you can experience emotions, but in a way that feels safe. Um, and then the, there's the noticing the mind and all the, the mind stories and what you do with them. And she has a process called mind whispering that we um, use with people. Um, and I also use the work of Byron Katie with that because, you know, there's the belief work that I learned years back that is still, you know, hugely useful. And I use acceptance commitment therapy as well. So there's, um, there's different modalities that can be used for the mind stuff that we have going on. And then uh, the, the last part of the process is the discovering inner wisdom. Because when you lay the foundation of settling yourself within your body, um, being with your emotions, dealing with the mind stuff, you're then able to fully open the door to your inner wisdom coming through and to listening to the messages from the inner wisdom and then using those to give you your day-to-day -day guidance. And I know from what from the conversation that, that we've had so far that that's something that, you know, I'm interested to hear about how you do that because I know that you're listening to your inner guidance and I just wonder, you know, you're, you're getting to the same place, but I'm just interested in how you're, yeah. how you're getting there. Well, actually, uh, I got very interested in dream work also with being in a kind of a theta state, like still in bed in the morning. Like it started with a gratitude practice called smiling and thanking your organs, um, thanking the different organs for vitality. And then um, because I was in this in-between state of sleep and wakefulness, I would tap into, oh, is my, is my, is your liver does my liver feel anger right now? Do my kidneys feel any fear? Are there any emotions that are trapped in my body right now? And so that, you know, it kind of progressed to working with a lot of different things, just finding where that emotion or that blockage, or it could be ancestral, it could be epigenetic, um, where that blockage lives in the body and kind of just using the in-between sleep and wakefulness state to block any inhibitions that we have from just listening to that inner knowing yeah i find that morning like we were um before we started on recording we were both talking about how we like to get up early in the morning and i find that early morning time is just really great for this kind of practice and then there are ways that you can also recognize when you need to do something throughout the day which is also part of the practice is when realizing that there, you just need a little top up, you need to um, take a little bit of time out just to relax or to tune in with yourself, even beyond that early morning time. But the, the early morning is such a good time to, to make practices like this part of your regular life. I'm getting quite into um, doing um, breath work at the yeah. moment and doing breath work in the mornings. And then um, I've started doing more Kundalini yoga again, because you, you know, you've got the mantra and the breath work and my practice is always evolving and changing. Um, but it's, it's a really wonderful thing is, you know, after that dream time, just allow yourself a little bit of time if you can, even if it's a short amount of time, just to do practices that will ground you for the day ahead. Yeah, wonderful. And this kind of covers it, but maybe you have something to add. Um, I asked this question to all my guests. It's, do you have any advice on how the listeners can unearth their joy? Can what their joy? Unearth their joy. 
unearth their joy. Let me think. I think that it requires to feel joy. It requires first for you to feel rested and replenished enough to allow the joy to come through. Mm -hmm. And I think that the joy is, is there, even if it feels like it, it, it's very far away, that it might need you to rest first. So I think rest first, get your rest. And, and, and you know, that relates to, we've been talking about sleep and dreaming. So get your rest yeah. first, even though you might resist it, even though there's so much to do, even though there's that one more email to check. I get it. I've, I, you know, this is something, this is such a practice for me is to get your rest in. Yes. So get your rest. Your brain. Yeah, get, brain to quiet. Yeah. So get your rest in. Then when you've got your rest in, add in little bits of play, even if, you know, you feel that you don't have any time, just tiny, tiny bits of play. If you can add in more play, even better. And then the rest in the play, leave the space for the intuition. And then when the intuition comes through and you start following that, you're on your joy path. That's beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I, if you want to just add anything, any little bits and pieces of resources that you have available where people can find out more information about your work, um, that would be lovely. Thanks, Jill. I'm at www.deborachalk.com and Deborah's D-E-B-O-R-A-H and Chalk is C-H-A-L-K, like Blackboard Chalk. So deborachalk.com and people can sign up there for the CAM kit and the CAM kit has within it a couple of um, mind-body practice audios. Um, one of them is releasing tension and you do a body scan from the toes up to the head and then you imagine a golden elixir taking the stress away as it goes down from the top of the head down to the feet. That just makes me feel relaxed already. So thank you for that. Oh, we, all, we all need some golden elixir in our lives, really. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, everybody listening, go out and drink up that golden elixir. Um, hopefully the sun's out right now for you or you can look forward to it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so much fun speaking with you. Thank you. It's been a delight. Thanks, Jill.